Hello and welcome to Interfilm Recommends, a regular podcast for film club leaders to explore exciting new titles with their clubs. My name is Michael and for today's secondary theme podcast I'm joined by Joe in which we'll be discussing I, Daniel Blake and A United Kingdom. Okay, so let's kick things off with I, Daniel Blake, which is a film from 2016. It's a 15 certificate, and we've got it classified a 16+, plus, so at the top end of our age ratings. Um, it's a thought-provoking British drama from um, director Ken Lopes, set in Newcastle, and it's all about a 59-year-old man and a single mother who are struggling to deal with a government's benefit system. Now, can I have a look at your CV? CV? You still don't get this, do you, Mr. Blake? This is an agreement between you and the state. No, you still don't get it. No, I'm you must... Desperate. I'm desperate to go back to work, unless you... the doctor tells us. If you're desperate to get back to work, you need to have an up-to-date CV in order to help you look for work. I think most people will agree that it's uh, quite an emotional story um, and quite affecting for audiences when they watch it. So why uh, why do you think that is and, and what elements stand out for you in terms of making it this way? For me, it's just an incredibly raw and powerful human drama. It's, it's a passionate, angry story about an, an area of society that is you know, very often marginalised and not very often seen on screen. And it tells a very human story about the reality of individual circumstances beyond the headlines, you know, stories that we don't always get to hear about. Um, I think it provokes a lot of discussion and debate. You can't possibly watch this film and not have an opinion about it, regardless of your individual politics or your background or anything like that. But it's mainly the simplicity of the storytelling techniques, I think. You know, there's nothing in there that's unnecessary. There's no camera dimmits or self-conscious flashiness. It's very straightforward and unfussy, but very effective storytelling. Um, it is worth saying that this is a very real, kind of emotionally wrenching film, and it deals with issues that are going on as we speak in parts of our society. So by extension, it's reasonable reasonable to assume that a lot of young people watching this may have direct experience of the issues raised here, or perhaps know somebody who's going through something similar. So while that can only be a good thing in terms of representation, it's probably be something you'd be aware of um, before screening this film to your members. So this is a Ken Loach film, we should say, and he won the Palme d'Or Cannes Film Festival uh, for this film. Um, and he uses Dave Johns and Hayley Squires here. Dave Johns is known as a comedian, and Hayley Squires is a newcomer on uh, in the industry. Um, why do you think he uses these actors for the roles, and you know, would it work with more established actors, do you think? Um, I don't think it would to the same degree, to be honest. Um you know, if you take, for example, somebody like Peter Mullen, he's done brilliant work with Ken Loach in the past. But I think partly what makes this story so powerful is that with no disrespect to Dave Johnson and Hayley Stryers, they're not faces that we know and recognise as an audience. So therefore they become these characters in the audience's eyes and they don't come with the sort of baggage that we might normally have if we were watching well-known actors on screen. Um, and I think the naturalistic dialogue really helps with that too. It kind of gives the impression that we as an audience are eavesdropping on a real-life situation um, rather than watching something that's been constructed for the cameras. Yeah, and there's a lot of improvisation at hand in, in the film, wasn't there, I understand? Yes, yes, absolutely. And that's something that Ken Loach has always done throughout his career, absolutely. 
Okay, so before this next question, we can hear our young reporter Joe asking Dave Johns, who is the lead actor in the film, and Paul Laverty, the scriptwriter, about the script itself and its humour. Dave, coming from a background of stand-up, how did you manage the humour in this film, subject matter being... Jokes were the greatest jokes I've ever said. <laughs> His jokes were the greatest jokes I've ever said. And the best I've ever, <laughs> yeah, ever yeah, seen. The best <laughs> I've ever seen. You, you know, this all can't be all... All, all doom and gloom, and and and, and Dan's a human being, and 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 he's got a life, and and so his humour gets him through it. Um, in terms of Ken Lodge films, um, despite the difficult subject matter which we've alluded to already, it is in terms of uh, the viewing experience probably more accessible than some of his other work. Um, where, where would you recommend viewers go next in terms of either Ken Loach or, or other films uh, more generally? Well, one of the things that's always stood out, I think, in his films is his sense of humour, and that's definitely the case here, despite the difficult subject matter. Um, this does many of the things that he's been doing for decades now and focuses on many of his defining themes, which you know, social injustice and giving a voice to the marginalised and persecuted people of society. I think in terms of other Ken Loach films, um, a really great place to start would be um, a documentary on his career, which was released in 2016 called Versus, um, which gives you a fascinating overview of all of his work um, and a really interesting insight into his working process as well, as well as that with his kind of regular screenwriter, Paul Laverty, who's a really crucial um, figure in Ken Loach's work. In terms of his other films, I'd recommend the earlier stuff, so something like Kathy Come Home, which had a very similar uh, political and social impact to our Daniel Blake when it was first released way back in the 60s. Um, it's a really defining film of that era. The Wind That Sets the Barley, which um, looks at the Irish War of Independence, and also something like Looking for Eric, which um, is slightly lighter in tone, but also kind of examines these serious themes of you know disintegrating family units and social injustice and class inequality. Um, moving away from Lotes, um, if you're interested in British social realist cinema, then an obvious next step would be Mike Lee, who's a contemporary of his, um, and he's made brilliant films like Secrets and Lies and Another Year. But if you really want to challenge yourself, I'd go further back in cinema history, back to the Italian neorealist films, uh, which emerged in that country following the Second World War and the economic devastation that, that occurred there. Um, one of my personal favourite films is something called Bicycle Thieves by Vittorio De Sica, um, which is an achingly sad but really beautiful story, very simple story of a man wandering the streets of Rome trying to find his bicycle which has been stolen from him and it's depriving him of his transport and therefore his only chance at earning their livelihood. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful film and I'd certainly recommend fans of Lopes to seek it out because you'll see a lot of parallels. Uh, so lots to explore with I, Daniel Blake there and some films to um, follow on from that uh, as well. Okay, so moving on to our second film. It's another political film from 2016 and it's A United Kingdom, uh, which is a 12 certificate. We got this at a lower age rating of 11 plus and it's the true story of the controversial at the time romance between a Botswanan prince, Suetsu Kama, and a white British woman in the late 1940s. My father, he wouldn't approve. I'm just two streets away. Can we do this again? I mean, meet. Is that too forward of me? No. No. What? 
Queen Victoria. The man who negotiated for her protection of Bichwana land. He was my grandfather. A king. I am his heir. Oh, I see. Uh, lots of films are exploring British political history at the moment. Things like Viceroy's House in cinemas, uh, Their Finest, which will be in cinemas soon. Um, and I know this is a title that you're really fond of. So what is it that makes a United Kingdom stand out for you? Well, it's a remarkable story. And um, while it's fair to say that the narrative is told in fairly broad, crowd-pleasing strokes, I think this technique is actually really effective because it's one of those films that opens up history to a wide audience and makes it very accessible and relatable. Um, obviously, the film is brilliant for history. It's the um, true story of Sarechi Karma, um, who was the Botswana prince later king um, in what was then Bet. Tswana land, um, who fell in love with a white woman while he was over studying in London and proposed to her. And the result of that was enormous controversy both here and in Botswana land and uh, more internationally as well, because it had significant political implications with what was going on in South Africa at the time with the um, the emergence of apartheid. Um, so there's all sorts of context that's feeding into this kind of um, quite crowd pleasing love story, I suppose. Yeah, so that's what a lot of the film, uh, the bulk of the film explores. So maybe the first, the opening act, the first half hour maybe looks at their romance and yeah. how they come to be together. And then the the rest of the film is about those political tensions. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the first act is very much about introducing them as characters and allowing the audience to get to know them and, um, and like them. And then, yes, once, once that's it being established then the film broadens out into this wider political story but the focus is always on these two as individuals and their romance and their love and it's through that that we explore the kind of wider social and um, historical aspects of the film I think actually it's really relevant for today's society this this story it's obviously there's lots of stuff in the news at the moment around Brexit and around how inclusive we are as a society. I think it's really good for encouraging conversations around that. Um, It really cleverly shows how everybody was opposed to their union, Um, you know, drawing out themes of stuff like colonialism and apartheid, as I touched on, um, as well as more localised examples of prejudice. So it's, um, yeah, it's a very wide-reaching story with fantastic performances Um, and just a lovely chemistry between them. And we actually interviewed uh, members of the cast, including David Ayalawu, and we've got a clip here of him talking about the film and why it's relevant for a modern audience. I think it's evident that we certainly haven't, as societies, overcome prejudice and overcome racial injustice. And so, you know, um, films like this, I think, point to how far we've come, but, you know, also how far we need to go. This is the third film from director Ama Asante, who we like very much. She uh, released Belle a few years ago, which you might know. Um, And significantly, this is a rare film from a female black director. Uh, How important is it for these stories to be told by new voices? And do you see that representation on screen? Yes, yeah, so what I think we are seeing at the moment is a real demand from audiences for my for more diverse stories to be told on screen and for more diverse filmmakers to tell those stories and to have those opportunities. 
um, Amara Sante, she's been around for a few years now and it's she's established herself as one of the most exciting and dynamic filmmakers working in Britain today, I think. And it's really vital that the film industry encourages and promotes people like her. Um, you know, as brilliant as people like Ten Loats are, they're not going to be around forever. And it's really, really important that newer filmmakers are brought in to take their place and to advance the cultural conversation further and to also serve as role models for young people who are looking to establish their own careers in the film industry, perhaps. And I suppose um, this story, for instance, is... Uh, maybe one that, you know, not very well known to most people and maybe, yeah. you know, if it wasn't for Amor and, and people like her, then they wouldn't be told and certainly wouldn't be told in, in this way. Yes, absolutely. So she brings um, a real balance to the film, actually, I think. It's it's not a very well-known story. It's one of those stories that when you watch it and it's shocking how little known it is, actually, because it's such a shameful episode of our recent history, to be frank. Um, but what she has through her own biography is she was partly brought up in Britain and partly brought up in Ghana. There's no judgment on her side. She just approaches the story from a very even-handed way, I think. Um, and that extends to telling the story of Soretsi himself, but also telling Ruth's perspective of the story as well. And what it was like as a white woman arriving in Botswana land, where it's fair to say she was not particularly embraced initially as their kind of de facto new queen. So it's very much about the kind of prejudice that she faced um, as well as Soretsi. And um, just to finish off, this is a relatively accessible title um, and, you know, it it balances the political, the romantic, the historical. For viewers um, and listeners to carry on their film journey from here, what would you recommend they they perhaps watch next after United Kingdom. If you're a fan of David Oyelowo, I'd really recommend you shoot out Selma, which is another brilliant historical drama in which he played Martin Luther King um, around the time of the Civil Rights March um, and particularly what happened in Selma, Alabama with that. That's a really powerful, wonderful film. Um, it's The film has a lot of similarities, I think, to the, the epics of some filmmakers like David Lean or Richard Attenborough it's very much in that kind of traditional British epic storytelling so something like Gandhi perhaps um, or Try Freedom those kind of films work really well Um, in terms of political campaigning it has a nice parallel with Suffragette which uh, some of you might have seen a couple of years ago Um, it's worth saying that Suffragette was the first film to ever be granted permission to film inside the Houses of Parliament in Westminster and um, a United Kingdom was the second one, actually. They made an interesting double bill. And perhaps not coincidentally, uh, Suffragette, another female filmmaker, and uh, Selma as well. Yes, absolutely, yes. So we got Sarah Davron for um, Suffragette and... Uh, Ava Tavernier is, Indeed. again, another a black female but American uh, filmmaker for... Uh, Selma. Absolutely, yes. Um, and it's great that they're both starting to get kind of really big opportunities now. And hopefully they will be, you know, leading the way for uh, an army of more diverse filmmakers to, to follow in their footsteps. OK, so that's everything for this week's episode. You can check out our previous podcasts on SoundCloud all of which are accompanied by show notes which link to resources, including film guides, film lists, blogs and video content. And if you are interested in primary content, we also have a new podcast episode available featuring the film Trolls. Trolls.